while different perspectives come out where something's not clear. So, uh, but anyway, I have, uh, the last two times I've talked and shared, I talked about Christ in us, hope of glory, and the realities of Jesus Christ in us is being very, very powerful as couple of things. One is facilitating our relationship with God, because this is how Jesus himself operated. We see this in John 17, where Jesus talked about the Father being in him and him being in the Father. And it's so real for us. I know for me, just when I became aware of the reality of Jesus in me, affected and changed my life. That this religious thing of trying to conform to external standards was you know, I was tired and weary of it. I rededicated, recommitted my life so many times. You've heard me say this before, that my dedicator or committer was wore out. I was just sick of the religious junk of trying to rededicate, recommit, and try to do it on my own. But the reality of Jesus in me affected and changed my life. I love it when people catch realities of Jesus. I remember one time we was praying for this, uh, this guy who said he did not believe in God. And so we started praying for him, and so all of a sudden, he just started shaking under the power of God. I mean, literally shaking under the power of God. And it was so funny, when he finally settled down, probably 30 minutes later, he goes, man, this is crazy. Just a few minutes ago, I didn't believe God exists, and now I know without a shadow of a doubt, he exists. So when these places that God becomes real in our lives, it's not ethereal, it's not a mindset, it's a real person living in us and being released. Last week, the first time we introduced it, the first time I shared it was we introduced Christ in us, hope of glory. Last week, I talked about the realities of it. And so uh, this week, we're going to take one more step. And really, the end goal of why Jesus is in us. Uh, Why? Now, let's go to the the next slide. And notice this past scripture uh, right there. And and I apologize, y'all, your notes are are off, <laughs> and probably some of the PowerPoint here. When I started copying and pasting things, I copied and pasted, and I cut also, and things didn't get right. So there ain't no telling where we're going to go in relationship to these notes. And so, uh, uh, so anyway, this passage of Scripture in Galatians 4.19, where Paul speaking, says, My children with whom I am in labor until Christ is formed in you. The overarching thing why Jesus is at work within us is, you know, in fact, go to the next slide, two, two, probably one more. Um, Go two more. See, like I told you, they're all messed up. Right here, God's in us. We talked about this the first time, that Christ in us, what it is, is the impartation of life in us. It's the way to live life. Uh, We're in in, uh, Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ, no longer I who live. You know, and it goes on to talk about the life I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who died and gave himself up for me. It's the way to live life in victory. Where it says, First uh, John 4, 4, Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And also the power of transformation where it talks about Christ in us, the hope of glory. Glory, catching revelations of God's glory is what transforms us into his image, as from glory to glory. And then the the fifth thing that we talked about is the testimony and reality of God, where Jesus himself said this, 
He said, don't believe me on what I say. Believe me, I want a relationship to what I do. What I do bears witness that the Father is at work within me. That is so cool to me. Because, y'all, when there's times that we're so far out of it, that when God does a mighty thing. I remember one time. This is crazy. Y'all, I'm sorry if this sounds weird. It is weird to me, too. But I was at this youth conference one time. And you know how sometimes you're just totally fried out. You're burned out. And I was in those places. Feel zero spiritually. And I think that we were at a conference in Parliament, and the kids were with me. And one of the kids, I think, was sick. So you know how that, you know, that can be, you know, your kind of hearts for the kids. And, and I'm supposed to be ministering this stuff. And so there was, they, at this particular conference we were at, it was a conference where they, they had a 10 o'clock, after all the regular stuff was over with, they had a 10, 10 o'clock Holy Ghost worship service. So, I mean, so it had a whole bunch of youth and a whole bunch of other people come. So there were probably about 100 people at this thing. And worship's going on, just worshiping before the Lord. And I'm serious. I'm back over in the corner feeling zero anything. And, uh, and so, you know, I'm over there in the corner just sort of just trying to get saved, more or less, you know, feel like. And, uh, and so I'm over there, and all of a sudden I hear the Spirit of God say to me, I want you to go up and blow in the microphone and speak. The power of God, come. I'm going, what? Blow in the microphone. That ain't you, God. No, that's not you. That ain't you. That can't be you. And all of a sudden, I hear the Spirit of God go, do it. I'm going, you know, I'm going, all I'm going to do is slobbering. You know, I'm just arguing with God because I don't feel it, God. I don't feel it. And so anyway, you know, I go up there. I say to the worship leader, I say, hey, man, I know God's told me to do something crazy. So uh, just follow my lead. And so I get up there and I go, y'all, I just spoke this brief introduction. Say, y'all, just, uh, I just want you to just close your eyes, set your heart on the Lord, and I just want you to just receive what God's about to impart. God just wants to impart the power of his spirit. And so and I did. I just said those words about that enthusiastic and that power. And I just go, I blew, I'm not even do it now. I blew into the microphone, which I'd never done before. You know, and I, you know, I just blew into the microphone like, like that. And I'm serious, I'm standing there, and all of a sudden, the power guy just hits. And about, I know, probably 75% of the people in the room just go, boom. And it was so powerful, and people started getting wiped out in the spirit and deliverances. All kind of crazy things happen. And I'm standing there like going, you know, <laughs> what? Christ in me. That wasn't me. There wasn't nothing in me that could cause the effect of the power of God doing something in that place in that time. But it was Christ in me. And y'all, it can be whatever circumstance or situation, you know. It can be in, in whatever situation you're in. God is wanting to show himself strong and mighty. And y'all, so much that there are people look and go, you know, I know that there's a God because of the reality of what's going on. Because I know you size more, and you can't do that. You can't say that. You go talk to my old English teachers back home and go, you write books? There ain't no way. There has to be a God, you know. I'm the only person that ever probably passed was uh, transferred to do play f- football at Jack State, still taking freshman English as a junior in college. So I'm going, you know, here's a guy. The God, only, only God can do something in you. And that's Christ in us. Now, go back two slides toward the front, please. <laughs> he passed it up one more. Uh, I'm sorry, down. There you go. 
sorry about this, but, but there's two things, like I was telling you before, that's in, in the, the perfecting of the relationship with God. Christ in us, us in Christ. And next time I speak, we'll talk about that. In fact, there's where God is calling us to grow in both of those facets of existence. In fact, God is calling the church to minister into people and empowering them to grow within their relationship, in their place of Christ in them, but also to grow in your place of being in Christ. And we'll talk about that at a later time. And, uh, but, you know, it hit me. It says, uh, if you don't know what growing in, growing with Christ in you is, how can you grow in it? If you don't know what it is about growing in what Christ, you in Christ, how can you grow that way? And so, so anyway, that's where God is calling us to go into this. Christ in us, hope of glory. So let's go on, keep going, and we'll catch up. Uh, last week I talked about how to walk in it practically. And we talked about Christ in us, hope of glory, setting hope. Question is, what is your hope? Remember, hope is the object of your faith. If you have no hope, you're hopeless. Because remember, hope is also, as it says in Hebrews 6, is an anchor for your soul. And how you can tell that you have no hope one is, you can just ask yourself that question, what, are you, what is your hope right now? What's the object of your faith? What are you believing right now about who God is? What's he saying about your life? If you cannot ask the answer to that question, right now you're playing religious games because you have no hope. How it will manifest is let a crisis happen in your life and you'll feel your life spinning around in a circle. It reminds me of somebody who, like, if, if I'm sitting in a, a secretary's chair, a swivel chair, and I reach out and I grab this, and somebody walks up behind me and spins my chair, they're not going to move me because I'm anchored to this chair. But if when all of a sudden I'm sitting, just sitting here, and my feet are up off the floor, and they come up and they spin my chair, I'll spin. Because what, what's the difference there? Hope would be me anchoring to this. This chair is my hope. Whatever your source of life is, that is your hope. And then, and then how you attach your heart to your hope is with faith, by either believing in a word that God's spoken or trusting. You remember I shared with you last week that how before I got on the plane and to go to Croatia this last time, God said to me, I am with you. He did, and I'm going, okay, that's cool. You know, normal word. I am with you. But then you remember when I was telling you about getting, getting ready to get ready to come home and all of a sudden my heart goes into AFib and then all of a sudden, do I go to the hospital like normal thing was? Or, but I, was, I just go, God, I'm praying. You said to me, you're with me. You're with me. And so first time ever that it, where my heart went into AFib that I didn't have to go to the hospital and the first time ever it didn't take 12, 14, 20 hours for it to go back into rhythm. When I just said, God says, God, I set my hope. My hope was he said, I'm with you. I said, okay, God, I'm believing that word. I make it firm. I made that firm, and the swivel chair of my heart did not get shaken. So the Christ in me empowered me 
to help get the, I didn't even tell anybody, tell interns or any, any of the other crew there that my heart was in AFib. I'm just going, okay, we got to deal with this thing. And so I'm throwing luggage around, leading luggage, dropping off rental cars, getting on airplanes, you know. And God heals my heart and puts it back in order. Christ in me, hope of glory. Setting hope, fastening my heart to that hope with faith by either believing or trusting. Releasing into us the reality of who Christ is in you. What is he saying? Faith comes by hearing and by hearing a word. Yeah, George. I think it's dangerous to be preaching in the front and say something like that. Like, what was the difference about this time? Why you didn't ask for medical help? And do, what we do in, if we are in the same situation? Very good. <laughs> Ain't that good? That's why I like those questions. That's why I like people ask questions. Yeah, that's the only time I've ever done that, y'all. Don't do that. Go, that is very dangerous. That would be presumption if you just go, okay, well, I'm going to believe God. I'm not going to go to the doctor. I go to the doctor. I, you know, because that's anything not of faith is sin. And so, I mean, going to a doctor is not contrary to faith. Paul told Timothy to take some medicine for his stomach. Like, I, I take medicine for AFib. But this time God said to me something, and I responded in relationship to what he said. Had specifically spoke. Thanks, George. So you don't want to make presumptuous statements. That's what happened with Jesus. Uh, Satan took Jesus to the pinnacle of Tipple and said, you know, told him, just jump off. Has he not said, I will bear you, you know, bear you up uh, in, your, in my hands uh, lest you dash your foot against a stone? You know, he was trying to get him to use a past scripture presumptuously. And that's a whole other rabbit. That's a whole other rabbit. In fact, we'll be teaching on that in the fall when we start teaching about growing in faith. Thanks, George, for bringing that up. See, ain't that good? Ask questions. If something sounds weird, bring it up. So anyway, how did I get here? Okay, thanks. Um, and then we talked about tribulations, how tribulations are literally the opportunities for the reality of Jesus in you to be released or manifested. It talks about in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, I believe it is, 4, yeah, 4, 4. Yeah, it talks about we have this treasure in earthen vessels, and it goes on to say that the power of God may not be of ourselves, but from Him. So the whole thing is, y'all, don't be surprised that you're facing tribulations in this world. It's a characteristic of this world. Jesus said in John 16, in this world you will have tribulation. Paul said in 2 Timothy, Chapter 2, I believe it was. We warned you about this ahead of time. So literally, he said that your faith would not be shaken. Because for me, my, in my early Christian walk, I'm going, okay, I'm saved, I'm a man of faith and power. Why in the world is it I, I'm having troubles, tribulations? I kept looking for the movie to end, you know, where it says happily ever after. I get victory in this situation and everything will be all right. Well, sorry. In this world, you will have what? Tribulation. But the cool thing is, greater is he that is what? In me than he that is in the world. Hey, you can't be called an overcomer unless you've overcome something. You can't be a champion of something unless you champion something. So, so when we have these tribulations, y'all, that's why it says in Romans chapter 5, verse 3, 
We exult in our tribulation, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance brings about proven character, and proven character brings hope. And hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts. So anyway, that's all what I preached last week, and I didn't even talk about what I'm going to talk about today. The reality is, is that God is wanting us to walk in victory, in the reality of Christ in us, living life to the fullness. But the crazy thing is, the whole thing that that's about is that the fullness of the reality of who Jesus may be formed in us. Go, go to the next slide, please. And here, uh, next slide, hopefully. No, sorry. Um, yeah, there's, there's a good passage. Go back to one before that. You had it right. Sorry I messed up, Amy. and got you going everywhere. Let me quote this verse again in Galatians 4.19, where it talks about until Christ is formed in you. Now, let me, let me just ask you to think about something. I'm going to give you just two, two things. There's a, imagine this, a fist and an open hand. And imagine there be my, my hand in this instant being like a big thing of clay, just like you took some clay and you, and you just mashed it all out. That clay would be us. God has said, I put this treasure in earthen vessels. And so all of a sudden, I take that clay and I set it over my hand. And so that, and what God is after is that my hand would be Jesus, okay? The, the whole goal, Christ in you. So here I am, this is me, this here, this pile of clay, and I put it over this treasure of who Jesus is, okay? And so you go, okay, that's cool, so empower this clay, you know, so, you know, so you just take this clay, and he just sort of, wherever this, this fist goes, this clay goes. I thought about getting some clay, but I figured I'd make a mess, but anyway, but anyway, so that would be the thing, but what God is after more than anything is that when the tribulations of this world, and the Greek word for tribulation means to squeeze, to pressure. So when the tribulations of this world come, it hits the clay. And it pushes the clay. And if you took that clay and you pressured that clay, if this was clay, and Paula started pushing her hand down on this clay, it would imprint, the imprintation of my fist would be on the underside of this clay. That's what God is after. You're not a robot. He's after to imprint the very character and nature of who Jesus is in you and I into our hearts so that when the clay, if it's ever removed, I mean, I mean the, the fist is ever removed, Jesus is ever moved, removed, the very nature of who he is is in me. I didn't understand this in my early days in ministry when I was in when we were at Big Stone Gap. The power of God was so strong when we first came to Big Stone Gap. People were getting saved left and right. People were getting delivered. Healings occurred. The only thing that we did not see in that place in that time was raising of the dead. And I mean, I mean, serious. There was so much craziness occurring. But what I did not realize is, is that all of a sudden, God, the wind of God's spirit was just carrying me. Just carrying me. And it's easy to walk with God when he's just, the wind of his spirit is just blowing so hard. 
I mean, it's like, I guarantee you, that Mitch talked about the youth being at, a, at, a, at, a, at this youth camp. I guarantee kids are messed up on Jesus, you know, setting their hearts, God, I'm going to live forever for you, God, you know, and just wild-eyed for Jesus. But let them go home. And all of a sudden, what will happen is, where they, where they spend a week in the totality, the wind of the Spirit is just sort of carry them, and you're just going, oh, God, is good. You're just flying around. And then all of a sudden, the wind of the Spirit just stops. He ain't left you. But what happens at that point is that God is wanting the reality of him to be the, the same whether it's he's carrying you in the wind of just the awesomeness of the Spirit or when there's nothing happening at all. There's no difference in my heart. The things I would do when the power of God is so strong is the same when there's nothing happening, when you're wanting to go, call something to happen, please, please. And I didn't understand that in my early days. What God was doing, I thought he left me, abandoned me, and forsaken me. He's going, I ain't going anywhere. I'm here. But what I want to be, find out, is how much of you looks like my son, Jesus. How much of this down, underside of this clay looks like the reality of Jesus. And so when we talk about Christ in us, hope of glory... Yeah, God is wanting to empower us to live and walk in this crazy, powerful life in this world. But the big thing he's after is the reality of his son Jesus to be imprinted into our lives. And go to the next slide, please. Thank you. How? This is going to be a repeat, but I just, I don't want you to, to build up something here. Okay, Rick, tell me what to do. Well, Okay, I'm going to tell you what to do. It'll probably be the hardest thing in your life you'll ever do. It's these two passages of Scripture. Christ in you, what? Hope of glory. Glory means what? Thoughts, opinions, and recognition. Christ in you, hope of glory. And notice what it says. If you look at the glory, we with an unfelled face is beholding in a mirror the what? The glory of the Lord are transformed from what? Glory to glory. Because why I said it's not about what you do, it's what you focus your heart on. It's what you see. It's, it's, it's every day getting up going, God, I want to see you. I want to hear you. I want to feel what the reality of what you're saying, what you're communicating. You know, where it talks about in Hebrews chapter 5 verse 13 where it talks about you know the word of God is for the mature who because of practice have their senses trained their senses trained to discern good from evil you're hearing you're sensing you're seeing the realities of who he is you're setting hope up y'all let me tell you something if you're in a storm it's not the time to put the anchor down you know what you want to do is you want to set anchor before trouble hits, you know. And that's when you set hope. You know, a lot of times, it's kind of interesting, people say to me sometimes, man, this morning I had a really awesome time with the Lord. 
And then next thing I know, all hell broke loose in my life. And you know, early days I thought, man, that's bad, man. Man, man, usually, man, if you have an awesome time with the Lord, that's going to be a guarantee that you have a great day. No, you know why? God manifested himself strong because he knew you was about to have a hard day and he knew you needed hope. Y'all, what we've got to realize is, and I'm going to put a little commercial in here, is stop running from trouble. You know, back in my younger days when I wasn't too cool, if I knew somebody wanted to fight me, you know, my first inclination was, let's go. I'll go hunt them down. Literally. I mean, when, when I, we moved to this town when I was playing baseball, not Paul and I, when I was in college, I, I went to play on a baseball scholarship, went to this town, other town, and we're in this community college playing baseball. But when you're in this small town, a bunch of guys from outside come in, and the local boys, especially when you start messing with our girls, kind of don't like you. So I caught word this one old boy, these, these boys didn't like us. So I just said, okay, well, let's go. I went and hunted them down at the local hangout. Says, okay, you guys, you got trouble with me? And so and the interesting thing was those guys ended up becoming our best friend. You know, and so what I'm trying to say is, is you're going to have trouble in this world. Go to it. But with, the, with Christ in you, what? Hope of glory, knowing that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Now, y'all, I know last time I preached this, I did have an opportunity that every word of the Lord that I said was tested. So I pray blessed week for Paul in Jesus' name. Good week. So, so the reality is set your hope. Set your hope on him. Set, exercise your faith in what he's saying. Listen to what he's saying. Let's go on to the next slide. And this one is... So then, my beloved, just as always obeyed, not in my presence only, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. A lot of people who are big into works have a tendency to use this passage of Scripture wrongly. Notice what it says. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Notice the next phrase. Because remember, there's no verse divisions or chapter divisions in the original Scripture. It says... Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is what? Is at work where? In you, both the will and to work for his good pleasure. In other words, what he's saying there, God's doing a work in you. Bring it out. Bring it out. Because that's what Paul says in the first part of Philippians chapter 1. I'm confident this very thing. He who began a good work in you will perfect it in the day of Christ. God's doing a work in you. You've heard the saying, you never fail a test with God. Never fail a test with God. Just get to retake it. And so, you know, that's God. God's after that, those areas in our heart, in our lives, for the very nature of Jesus to be birthed in you. Because Satan knows he's got something on you. If he knows there's a button he can push to cause the nature of your old self to be manifested, Satan will go for it every time. It's sort of like Sean fishing. You go fishing with Sean, he'll, well, I, the fish are working, they're biting on this. Well, stop being a fish. Suckering on the same bait. Overcome it. Overcome it. 
And so, anyway, so, so there's, there's, five, there's five things that God spoke to me uh, are the, the nature and character of Jesus that when Christ is birthed in you, these things will be manifested because they are the very nature and character of who Jesus is. So I, as I share these things, I don't want you to put in your heart, oh, I need to do these things. No. What I want you to do is receive these things as hope that this is in you. Because why? Jesus is in you. And allow him to, be, to birth in your heart the very nature of who he is. And so anyway, so there's at least 11 different things that I could speak this morning about who he is. Whoa, how did I get here? Well, I guess I probably ain't going to talk about much. Wow. What time did I start? Curious. Wow. Well, I'm not going to labor you. I could talk about these five things. But, anybody have questions? Huh? Well, you got the notes. I, you know, I, I just want to make sure that we don't have to pray deliverance over the child care workers after this is over with. You know, You know, my heart, the heart, not my heart, the heart of God, I believe, in all of this, y'all, is to re- has the reality of the greatness of the one who is in us. And when he starts manifesting himself in our lives, it is a beautiful thing. Like here, I can speak this real quick. The heart of a son, a daughter, is not, not a, an orphan or a slave. In other words, when Jesus himself is, is, is operating in you. It is a place where the heart of a son or daughter of God is manifested. Um, yeah, there's so many things I could say about that. I, you know, you know I, I watch it many times with people. You know, I own three businesses and, and, and I, I watch it many times with the people that work for me that you can tell whether they have the heart of an orphan or the heart of a slave or a child because they have to be told what to do. And, I, and that's one of the things that you can see where people take ownership in what's going on in their lives, whether, whether it benefits them directly or not. And when you start to see Jesus doing something in somebody's life, I, like one time I'm watching a group of interns together and we're having a, a, a social, you know, where everybody's eating food. And, uh, and there was a trash can over there. And you know how people start to put their plates, paper plates and stuff, in the trash can. So I just started watching it. Who will change the trash can? Do they have to wait to be told that the trash can needs to be changed? Because the heart of a son... Our daughter would see the trash can and go, Harketh. That needs to be changed. That's the heart 
That's the practical application of the heart of a son or a daughter of God. When a, when a, a college student goes home on, on spring break or fall break, and, and when you see God having done a thing in their lives, and, and they walk, you know, they're there after supper and haven't, haven't had supper together, and all of a sudden the, the daughter will say to the mom, Hey, uh, mom, that's okay, I'll wash dishes. And so the daughter starts washing dishes, and the husband has to pick the wife up off the floor because she passed out. But that's the character of the heart of a son or daughter of God birthing in somebody's life. And you go on real quick. A heart that loves like Jesus, both knowing that you're loved and loving others. Because three, three times Jesus himself says the Father loves the Son. He knew he was loved, but then at the same time, he turned around and he loved like no one had ever done before. So much that he laid his life down. You know, and that is so cool to see, see the reality of, of that when God starts doing a thing. It's, it's a love that is so cool. I, this has seemingly nothing to do with this, but I really want to feel like I'm supposed to share this. I was reading a testimony, a story of a little girl who was in a family that was very poor and things were really hard. And they had this really expensive gold wrapping paper. So this little girl starts to wrap this present wrap. And she was like four or something like that. And, uh, and she started wrapping a present. And, her, and she's cutting all over kind of place. And, and guess what? I mean, she's wasting paper. The father gets real upset. That her about wasting the paper. And, uh, and so, and she says, but daddy, I'm wrapping a Christmas present for you. And then he realizes, he goes, oh no, I'm so sorry. Well, so, because so, it was at Christmas time, and so she had this box that she had wrapped up with this very expensive paper, quote. And so the dad had already, you know, gotten through one thing where she had wasted so much paper. Well, she, uh, you know, remember, you got to put this in the context that things were very, very tight financially. So anyway, comes Christmas, and he opens the box. And there was nothing in the box. And so he gets upset. He says, you don't wrap things up with nothing in it. And she goes, but Daddy, I didn't have anything, so what I did was, all I did was I blew kisses into the box. And so this box contains all my kisses. Well, the crazy thing happened, which wasn't cool at all, is that there was an accident that happened not long after that, that the little girl got killed in this accident. And the dad kept the box on his nightstand. But I'm going, that is love. When I first read that, I'm going, that is love. That's the, that's the love of Jesus that can express Kisses from heaven, kisses in a box. The heart of Jesus is love. The heart of Jesus is an overcomer. You know, John 16, 33, Jesus says, Be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. I heard a story, a little boy who went in, who's walking down the street and saw a, a pet shop and, uh, and saw these puppies with this dog. So he goes in, he's asked the 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 owner of the shop says, well, how much are the puppies? And he says, well, between $30 and $50. And so 
She says, well, can I see the puppies? So he calls the mother, and the mother comes over to where the little boy is. And, and all the puppies, you know how they do, they start following the dog, and they're running over. And, uh, and all the puppies come. And then at the back, there was a puppy that came sort of limping over to the, to the boy. And he, he walks over, the little boy walks over to the puppy that was crippled. It literally was. He's crippled. It's almost like he had three legs, the best I could read in the testimony. So the little boy picks the puppy up, and then the owner says, oh, you don't want that dog. And so, oh, I'm sorry, I forgot to tell you this. Well, the boy pulls out his money, to, for, and he has $2.37. And he, and he said, I want to buy the puppies, you know, buy a puppy. And, uh, and, and so the guy you know, of course, he's telling me it's $30 or $50 or whatever. But the boy walks over and he says, you know, I want this puppy. And, uh, and the owner says, well, I'll tell you what. I, I mean, you don't want to buy that puppy. Let me sell you one of the other puppies. Because what the boy was going to do is he was just going to pay it off. And, uh, and the little boy goes, no, I want this puppy. And the guy says, well, I'll give it to you. He says, no. I want this puppy, and I want to pay the full price. I will, gift you, I will bring you 50 cent every week for this puppy until it's paid off. I want to pay the full price. And the guy says, you know, no, you don't have to. You don't have to because the puppy's useless. It can't run and play with you. And all of a sudden, the little boy pulled up his pants leg, and his leg was mangled and twisted, and he had, you know, remember those braces that kids used? I mean, when had kids that had polio? And he said, I'm one of those things, and I'm worth it. And this puppy is too, and I want to pay the full price for the puppy because this puppy needs to know there's somebody like him. And I just go, that is the heart of an overcomer. That he's in a hardcore situation, and he's overcoming it. That's the heart of Jesus. Whatever circumstance you're in, overcoming. The heart of Jesus is a heart of humility. You know, it, where it talks about in the Philippians chapter, chapter 2 that he humbled himself by becoming obedient, even pointed death, death on the cross. I remember when I was 15 years old, I went to a basketball camp in, at Campbell College in South Carolina. And, uh, you know, I, was, I love basketball really a whole lot. And so I'm there. It's, it's a decent-sized camp, but it's not that big a special thing. But anyway... My brother, my brother lived up near there, and so he sent me over to this camp, and so I go to the camp, and after I'm coming back, and I'm just 14 years old from South Florida, I don't know that much. I mean, back in those days, y'all, the only sports you would get, we didn't have sports center, stuff like that. It was a sports page, you know, where you'd catch on stuff, and, and things were far, few and far between. And so my brother, after the camp, he goes, well, who was at the, who was at the, who was at the basketball camp? And I go, well, man, bud. Pete Maravich was there. Yeah, man, it was cool. You know, Pete was there, and, and you know, and, uh, you know, I started telling him some of the other coaches and stuff who were there. And, uh, and then I go, and he said, yeah, he said, well, who else was there? And I go, well, there was some guy teaching us defense that all he did was just teaching us defense. And he goes, well, what was his name? I go, I, 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 don't, I don't know. It's, it's something like Woo, Wooden, Wooden, Wooden. He looked at me and said, John Wooden was teaching you defense? Yeah. Do you know who John Wooden is? No. Do you know that he's the greatest college coach ever? He's just won like nine straight national champions. I can't remember what it is. He's won like 11 national championships, nine in a row. 
And the thing that hit me about this guy, a phenomenal coach. I mean, highlighted everybody. And here he is with a bunch of kids teaching, a bunch of high school kids teaching us defense. I'm going, that's humility. I heard about John Wooden one time. It was at a coach's conference. And, you know, everybody's, you know, the other coaches are there sort of like this, you know, arms folded, and somebody's up front talking about coaching basketball techniques and stuff like this. And this coach that I heard talking said he turned around and he looked, and on the back row was John Wooden sitting there with a notepad taking notes. And I go, when I heard that testimony, and that guy made, that coach made a comment, he says, it hit me. Here John Wooden is taking notes from a guy that he's forgotten more than the guy knows. That's humility. You know, humility is the heart of Jesus. Humbled himself, pointed death, death on a cross. And yeah, I could say a lot about what humility is. But the fifth thing I will share about the nature and character of Jesus is a heart that is submitted to the will of God. You know, no matter what the cost is that Jesus humbled himself and he submitted to the will. You know, Really, victory in the heart of submission does not come when everything, the authority figure, is doing things right. It's when the authority figures may not be doing it right, and then and the person who submits to it and sees God. I remember one time there was a young girl that came to me and who had accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior. She was at, this, this happened twice to me. But uh, she said... Uh, God is a, I, I, got, I accepted Jesus, my Lord and Savior. And I said, yeah, I know. She said, I believe in the word of God that I'm supposed to get water baptized. But I talked to my parents, and my parents said they did not want me to get water baptized. They told me that when I was a baby, I'd gotten sprinkled. But I believe God is telling me to get baptized by immersion. And I said, okay, what I want you to do is, I want you to submit to the authority in your, in your family's life, in your life. And your parents, I don't want you to go talk to your parents and tell them that, you know, mom and dad, I believe it is God's will for me to get water baptized. But if you don't want me to get baptized, I won't do it. And so she, she told her parents that and went to bed. Crazy thing happened. That night, her mother has a dream from God. God appears to her in the dreams and teaches the mom the theology behind water baptism. In a dream. The mother comes in the next morning and says, uh, Jen, uh, I want you to get baptized. And here's why. And she told me the stuff about water baptism. I'm going, dude, that's good. In fact, some of the stuff you, you've, we teach in dwelling place came from that woman's vision from heaven. Because Why? When you submit to the will of God, powerful things can happen in your life. Is it easy on the front side? No. But in these places, these times, that's where, where the tribulations of this world occur, that God is able to birth and manifest the reality of Him in ways that we've never seen before. And I could go on and on and on and talk about different facets of the nature and character of Jesus in, in that where God, Christ in us, hope of glory, God is trying to form in us the very nature of the one who is in us. Because take this. Remember I said this? Imagine you can either have this, which is Christ in us, 
and to say this would represent my flesh. Okay? And so here comes here, this, my flesh, my crud in my heart, and here, here's me, treasure in earthen vessels. Pressure comes, comes, and I respond in the flesh, in my old stuff. Let me ask you, what gets imprinted into this? Flesh. And you wonder why keeps troubles keep happening in your life and why the nature and character of God is not birthing in your life is because the tri- trials and tribulations hit and you respond in the flesh. I want to say you want to change life, allow the reality of the Christ in you to be birthed in you in the trials and the tribulations of life. Not when it's good. Well, yeah, when it's good too, but when it's not good. So, anyway, I went ahead and spoke it, and I did it in five minutes, seven minutes. Praise God. Well, we would love, I'm going to ask George if we can have the prayer teams up here, please. And if any of the things that we shared this morning that were you've given, maybe you're getting distracted from the realities of Christ in you, we want to pray with and deal with in your life. Are there any questions or thoughts? Anything that sounded weird that I said? Like, George, thank you so much for asking that question, George. Anything you want to add, Mitchie Poo? Jim, you got something you want to add? He was on my heart about that. So, well, let me pray. Well, Lord, I thank you for uh, the awesomeness of who you are. Lord, I thank you you put this treasure in earthen vessels that the reality of you may be manifested in our lives. Lord, I thank you that you are trying to form the very nature and character and the reality of you into our hearts, into our lives. And so, God, we want to receive the reality of you. Lord, we want to see the birthing, the realities of you, Jesus, in us. And Lord, I thank you that you have sent the spirit of your Son into our hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. And so, Lord, we receive, we see those declarations. We hear it, Lord. You said your your spirit is bearing witness to our spirit that we're the children of God. We're no longer slaves but sons. Lord, we receive the realities of you as, as the one of love. When we receive the realities of your declarations that you commended your love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Lord, we receive that it is your nature that is in us that's empowering us to love one another. Lord, in measures and degrees that we cannot on our own. Lord, we thank you that, Lord, that we are overcomers, that you are birthing the nature of an overcomer in us, the nature of a champion, a nature of one who can overcome any circumstance in any situation in this world. That the circumstances in a situation of this world do not dictate who we are and what we're like. Lord, we receive the reality of you, of the heart of humility. Your word tells us to humble ourselves under your mighty hand. Humble yourself in your presence. To humble ourselves in relationship to one another. Lord, we receive your heart, the heart of humility. Lord, knowing that you promise us that he who humbles himself will be exalted. And Lord God, we thank you that your will is perfect. Your will is life. 
And Lord, we know that your will many times runs contrary to this world. But you tell us in your word that we would not be foolish, but we would understand what the will of God is. And Lord, that we may walk in the realities of your will, knowing that you promise us that your paths are loving kindness and truth. And Lord, that in that place of walking in your will, you put in us your peace, the reality of you. Even though the world may be going crazy around us, the realities of you and your peace is in us. So Lord, we declare that our eyes be firmly fixed on you, Jesus, and the realities of what you're like and who you're like. I thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm just going to encourage you.